Hello. Hello. Hey, uh, happy holidays. Happy uh, happy holidays to you. Happy uh, uh, all the great holidays. I, all the best holidays. Uh, holiday Holiday Inn. Um, the uh, Billy Holiday. All the holidays. <laughs> oh, Don, how are you? I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm uh, I'm warm, um ish. Uh it's uh, sunny here. Uh and uh but it's not as not as warm as uh, San Diego, but uh, but I'll get over it. It's uh it's warm here too. Uh except we've had like crazy weather where yesterday it was uh like 75 and then today it started out at like 27 and now it's like 50 or something. It's crazy. Yeah, it's pneumonia. Yeah, it's, uh... That's what the, that's what the people say, right? You're gonna get pneumonia. Is that what they say? What, yeah, it's uh, it's what people say. It's not it's not good for you. Everyone's gonna get sick because of this weather change. Yeah, I don't know. About yeah, that. I don't. I don't. I don't like. Uh, I don't like the cold, man. I'm I'm old. I'm getting old and uh, and cranky. I don't like the weather. I'm with you. I'm that's moved to San Diego, uh, right? That's what, uh, that's what every I no joke. Every time I go there, I, I, I think to myself and I say to my wife, uh, if somebody offered me a job, I would just stay here. I wouldn't wouldn't move back. It, it's just it is pretty uh, nice there. I, I saw a uh, I was watching the football, the sports ball on the mm-hmm. on the TV the other day. And yesterday, I guess it was and San Diego was playing. And they had a, a shot of the uh, San Diego Beach. I don't know if it was Mission Beach, if it was, uh, I don't know, uh, Blackbeard's Beach, whatever it is, whatever you got, whatever beaches you got over there. And uh, mm-hmm. the overhead shot had uh, like an ice rink. People were skating beside the beach. That's my, that's my kind of place. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. That's a little hard to do, though. Uh... Sure. You know, either, 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 you know, either you put it in a cold place, in which case you have to make the beach warm, or you put it in a warm place, in which case you have to make the rink cold. Uh, it doesn't sound efficient to me, Ben. What I mean, it's efficiency, schmefficiency. Um, it's it's just nice. I'd like to skate beside the beach. Okay. I'd. I mean, I, I think it'd be. I think it'd be super fun. I like to fly, but uh... <laughs> well, Don. I mean, at least at least my wishes are doable. I mean, you're not going to fly. That's not true. It's not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fly tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna fly to Chicago tomorrow. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Uh-oh. I'm trying to uh, change my 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 sound, and I lost it for a second. Uh-oh. Uh, yep. You're back. You're back. Oh, thank goodness. So, uh, so what's going on in the world of uh, Doctor uh, Donald W. S. Uh, Schaffner? I always like to put an extra um, uh, initial in there for. Safety. Uh huh. Your middle name's safety. Yes. The S. The S is for safety. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what's going on? Oh, not much. It's uh, I'm going. I'm going to Chicago this week, uh, which. You know, I'm. Uh, I, I don't really want to go to Chicago, but uh, but I'm going to do some consulting. And so, um, as I explained to one of the people I was doing the consulting for, if I'm feeling a lack of motivation. I just look at uh, what they pay me, and and uh, if that doesn't motivate me, it's time to raise my rates. <laughs> that that's the trick that you've taught me. That you've yes. uh, yeah that I that I employ, and and it's funny how every once in a while when I le- lose a little bit of motivation for something that I do, I think oh I've I've charged I, I I'm getting paid for this, or right. I've uh, I have charged enough or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I'm going to Chicago. Um, where there's snow, where I'm sure it's uh, like negative 107 Fahrenheit. It's near absolute zero. 
Yeah, it's it's very cold there, but uh, but I will not be outside because fortunately, the consulting work that I do, Ben, I don't know if you know this, but it involves sitting in a warm room and typing and using my brain for the most part. So that's a pretty good job. Now, um, is it attached to the airport? How do you get from the uh, from the airport well, to where you have to well, go? I have to, I, have to, I have to get into a car, but oh. uh, the, the cars have heat. I mean, yeah. So it's it's downtown. The it's downtown Chicago. But uh, like I said, I I I I can get there without walking. So you know, well, that's good because it's a long walk from o'hare to, to oh downtown my God. chicago it's a it's a long cab ride oh, it is a long cab ride it i it, it's amazing um uh <laughs> it's, it's amazing how far it is it, <laughs> I, I have you ever, ever used the other airport there the uh the midway I have not. I have been very close to Midway when when airplanes were landing right over my head, and it's terrifying, um, which is actually the same as the airport in San Diego, speaking of San Diego. But no, I have never flown into Midway, um, although apparently for uh, if, if you are going to something at um, iFish uh, or IIT or the, you know, uh, that 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 entity um midway is the airport to fly into but i have never flown into midway because the the problem is that i fly united and uh, o'hare and newark are hubs and so there's a lot there's it's like the train right it's like every hour on the hour there's a, there's a plane that goes from one to the other so i do that instead of uh flying into midway which would restrict my options although it would get me you know depending on where i was going it, i would be potentially closer i uh, i've used the midway uh, i think for uh, maybe an iFish thing or something else. And it was, it, it was great. Cause I got really close, like wherever I was, was very close to there. And so it was like the best Chicago experience I had had. Cause it, you're, I mean, it's not like other cities. You really, uh, the other city that's like that in my experience is, um, Dallas where the airport's like in, in between Dallas and Fort Worth. So trying to get somewhere off the plane to place quickly is not doable. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I don't know what it was that I went and, and did the flew into midway, but we, it, for, for, we don't have good, um, great flights to Chicago from Raleigh. I don't know mm. why that is. So it's, it seems like it's a place that you can get to easily, but there, you know, it's like two a day, mm. um, and not the airlines that I want to fly on. It's like Southwest mm -hmm. and all that, all that, uh, all that garbage. Um, Hey, so it's a special holiday fun day uh, season stuff. Um, I'm I'm home. I'm I'm working working uh, with no pants on, which is my favorite kind of work. Wow, <laughs> wow! I I am wearing pants because it's freaking cold. Well, I, I mean, we just turned the heat up in my house again. Not efficient, but uh, <laughs> no, apparently not. Especially if you keep leaving the windows open, Ben. I yeah. keep telling you, you can't you can't leave the windows open, even though it's North Carolina. You have to close the windows if you're going to run the heat. Hey, I'm I'm telling you, uh, based on everything in my life, efficiency is not my thing. <laughs> like, um, effectiveness maybe, but efficiency mm. not so much. Uh, I'm not I'm not fast. I'm not. I don't conserve. I mean, there's tons of things I'm not very good at. Mm. Uh, this is the time of year that I like to reflect on that. <laughs> and, feel, and feel just a little bit guilty or not oh, no like uh like i'm gonna do better and, and in fact let me um to to bring this into the food safety world i i tried to or i didn't try to i we were texting about what time we were gonna do stuff today and uh on my list uh of things that i want really really wanted to get done today was a review for um food protection trends because i i review papers for that uh, uh for that journal 
And oh, they let you do that, huh? That's yeah. that's nice of them. <laughs> well, I, th- I feel like it's like um, I don't know, like a mentoring program that they have me on, or something. Where where maybe they're not real reviews, but it's like a fake, <laughs> right. But it, you know, it's a fake paper. Yeah, it's like it's like they they send out like two or three regular reviews, and then they send one to you, and then they look at yours, and they're like, yeah, okay, he's getting a little better. Yeah, maybe <laughs> next time, maybe next time around, maybe next time. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, and I know you're an editor and, um, I would be the first kind of, not of food protection trends, but an editor. Um, I, yeah. I would be the worst kind of reviewer, I think, or at least I have been historically where I just don't do it on time. And I make yeah. lots of like promises, like I'm going to do this tomorrow. And then I don't do it tomorrow. And anyway, that's, that's the old Ben. That's the, that's 2016 uh-huh. Ben. All right. Um, because I had a uh, review that was like officially due on December 18th. Um, and I, and uh, December 19th at uh, 1.07 uh, PM, I submitted it, which I, I, by, by no means does it mean that I've hit a due date, but I'm just one day overdue where I, I'm uh, historically in the 20 or 30 or more days overdue. I'm not a good reviewer. I mean, that's essentially it. Yeah, so, well, and you know what? <clears throat> what I do with uh, so a couple of thoughts on on deadlines and reviews. So, um, oh, and also speak and speaking of which, um, I also reviewed something for Food Protection Trends, um, but it was a manuscript uh, which you would not have been allowed to review. Aha! <laughs> uh, uh-huh. uh-huh, I see. <laughs> so anyway, um, it was it was a pretty good paper, and so I gave some I hope gave some good feedback. It was yeah. exciting to exciting to read about um, exciting to read about something that I was part of. So, awesome. um, but oh, reviews and and yeah. So I have so I typically for for the journal I edit edit for I will send out uh, three requests, and then if I get two back that are consistent, I will send a rather terse message to the third reviewer saying, "Hey, um, I have two consistent reviews." Um, I need your review within a day or two, or I'm going to cancel the request. And, and then I proceed to do so. Um, or the worst one is where I have a split decision. And then, and then I, I, I you know, I, you I really send a very heart, yeah. a, a, a pre-planned, but very heartfelt sounding email saying, Hey, I have a split decision. I could really use your help. Please let me know if you can do this, you know, or if you need a little more time. And, and then the trick is just to stay on top of the person so that they don't slack off for 20 or 30 days. So, um, but, but in, in deadline related news, um, I, uh, I submitted, uh, so this time of year, I don't know if it, if it is for you, but for me, this time of year is experiment station project reviews or, uh, project reports. And so, uh, the lovely lady in our, uh, our administration office sent, sends multiple reminders. Um, and I sent her a message saying, Hey, uh, I just did this just now. And it is one full day before the deadline, which I I think it's to record for me. And, and she sent back LOL. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I, I also... and, and, and not only that, she actually read the report and she had some good, useful suggestions. And so, uh, yeah. So, wow. Yeah. And, and you had time even before the deadline to, to adjust it if you wish to. Well, you know, what she said was, hey, just to answer these questions for me, and I'll go ahead and modify the report for you. And I'm like, all right, I can do that. Actually, so she was she wanted to know. I talked a little bit in my um, in my report about the five second rule and all the press I did around that. And so she wanted some facts and figures. And so I gave her the numbers that I had on on how many uh, how many media hits or how many things, you know, how many whatever, how many yeah. whatever, what whatever you call that stuff, sorry. whatever. Yeah. The, the number, the number of uh, not impressions, but the number of uh, places that picked up the story, which is in, into the thousands, uh, over over two thousand actually, and so she was very excited by that. So, 
She said, well, this is definitely going in the report. So I'm like, okay, awesome. Well, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I also sent a message, um, after I sent my review in to, um, uh, well, to, to the editor, Kathy Cutter and Donna, uh, Bahoon to, is that pronounced Donna's name? What, Bahoon. Correct? Bahoon. Bahoon yeah. Yep. That's correct. Um, and because they are uh, typically, this is for food protection trends. Those are the, the two folks that are typically chasing mm-hmm. me down. Yep. So I sent them a message saying, ha ha, look at me. I, I have only missed the deadline by one day and it might not be a big deal, but I'm making progress. Um, yes. And then I said, I'm really trying to be a better reviewer and author and collaborator. So thanks for all your patience. And and I got, oh. so I, I try, I'm trying, I, 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 I do like, you know, I, I started this off, um, on, uh, really having a conversation with, uh, with you about, um, you know, reflecting at the end of the year. I really do. I really kind of think about, okay, here are the things that I should probably do, you know, a little better or, or things that I don't want to do anymore that I'm not very good at or whatever, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, no. And I think it's a, you know, I'm not a fan of, uh, new year's, uh, resolutions, but, uh, but I am a fan of reflecting and of trying to do better. So I, I, I'm, I, I support, I support your, I support your efforts. Well, thank you. I also have an, well, way overdue book chapter, um, that is, uh, I mean, just oh, so overdue that I thought they might've already published the book mm-hmm. and, and just like cut my chapter, but no, that's, that's not how this has worked. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's, and it's for someone, um, who we, who we know, Judy Harrison, and I mm-hmm. feel really bad. And she sent me a very lovely message today saying, um, uh, dear, a letter to Santa. Dear Santa, <laughs> I tried to be good this year, but it has not worked out so well. I have believed in you for so long. I've always gotten what I asked for, <laughs> so I hope you won't let me down this year. All I want, all, for- I, all I want, is Ben's chapter. Yeah, all I want for Christmas is a chapter from Ben Chapman for a book I'm editing on food safety and farmers markets. Ben's really busy, but I know you can make magic happen. And so um, I responded, um, "Dear Judy." Santa's surprisingly working on it today and the rest of the week with the hopes by, by the time the break is over, your wish will come true. Oh, well, that's that's very nice. And I appreciate you taking time away from uh, from doing that to do a podcast with me. Yeah, well, hey, we got uh, I, I clear it all out uh, for this because this is it's not really work. I never never think of the podcast as work. It's a nice time for you and I to catch up and talk about things that um, that we like uh, that we collectively like together. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, and it's, yeah, Doug, Doug's always impressed on me that, um, of good, you know, if you had a full day worth of, um, uh, time to work on something while you may get to spend four or five hours writing, you really only have a good hour and a half or two hours of actual production. And if you can focus that, you can get a lot done. So it's good to take breaks like this too. It's, yeah, and, it, and, and, and I would say actually that the recording of the podcast is absolutely not work. The the editing and the posting oh, of the yeah. podcast that feels like work. That's the work part. Yeah, feels yeah. like work. Yeah. So you're not you know? taking time away from me today on that. It'll be tomorrow when uh, when we do the editing and the posting. And by we, you mean you? I mean me. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so this is like uh you know it's uh, I'm at home like uh, like I mentioned um my uh, my Hands. kids are off school um so they they finished up on uh, Thursday last week. Uh, and, uh, we decided today that, um, we would, uh, collectively not leave the house, um, and, until I have to play hockey at 10 45 tonight. So, oh. so they are, uh, I downloaded, um, 
a uh, Apple TV game for for them, the Minecraft Story Wars or something. So they've been uh, vegging out and playing that while uh, I sit up in in my office and uh, work on a Farmers Market uh, chapter and 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 do a review and do fun stuff. This is my favorite time of year because it's like. I, there's no, I don't have any, um, there's no meetings, there's no structure of appointments, um, other than a podcast, which was loose on appointment time anyway. Um, mm. and then, uh, and then we're going to go like to the grocery store this afternoon and go and go, uh, um, pick out all the food that we're going to eat all week, which is nice. Cool. I like, that's my favorite time. I haven't cooked a lot this fall mm. and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, we've been really busy. Dan, Danny's business has taken off so much that um that our our weekends are um it it makes it tough to get all the stuff done that we want to get done so i'm looking forward to getting that uh um get you know spending some more time uh on uh, on cooking this uh this uh break yeah it's not it's not you guys sound like really busy because your weekends are really busy with with her doing uh like stuff for her business and you got and you're doing like hockey stuff uh, with the kids and yeah it just you just seem like really uh really busy you know and you know how I can tell is i I don't see you're not on twitter <laughs> not yeah it's 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 true and then and then like this morning i get i sit on my on my couch and watch a little whatever uh, uh, news or sports in the background, and then I got on Twitter for for most of the morning uh, as well. Uh, so, but you're right, I'm I'm missing out on uh, on what's going on in the world of Twitter. So, sometimes I feel that way. That's um, yeah, okay. It's just it's it's a dumpster fire. It's it's horrible. Some, you some, don't want to be on Twitter. <laughs> true. Sometimes it's really good though. Sometimes I like that. No, dumpster sometimes fire. it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, speaking of which, I want to. There's a shout out on Twitter for I don't know who who this person is, and I don't know if they're a fan of the podcast. But there's a group called ATC Food Safety, which if you click on their uh, profile, it, ATC stands for a training company. Um, a training company food safety provides uh, complete classroom and online food safety training. Okay, so they're not a sponsor of the show. I actually don't even know who they are, so don't you know? This, this is not a uh, recommendation, but I do want to say that they have tweeted some things that are fantastic recently, that hmm. are the non like traditional um, things. And uh, there was a tweet from five days ago. I don't know if you've been able to pull these up on your on your face or on your uh, Twitter. Um, on my Facebook. Let me see if I can pull up those tweets yeah, on my Facebook. Pull them up on your Facebook. Um, and so they tweeted something about allergen uh, training, which I thought was awesome. Don't be this server. Safe allergen training is one of our specialties. Um, and then they list, you know, they can help. And it's a uh, a meme or it's like a picture that has then been um, – uh, like, you know, edited. And it says, uh, uh, it's two people sitting at a table with a server. And uh, the woman who's sitting at the table says, we don't eat gluten, dairy, meat, soy, eggs, or nuts. And then the man who's in a striped shirt, something like what I would wear, says, what do you recommend we get? <clears throat> and then the next frame, it's like a comic book, the server's uh, little bubble beside her head is, so he says, what do you recommend we get? She says, the F out. <laughs> which is awesome like i this is the yeah. kind of advertising i like <laughs> yeah you know i'm i'm just i have they so apparently atc food safety follows me i was not following them i am now following them um uh yeah and their twitter's uh their twitter's pretty good it is it is they they also tweeted something this morning 
Um, <laughs> in a total dick move, stupid high school kids yes. fed teacher serious some semen frosting. Seriously, hashtag for semen frosting. And to which my response is, whoa. And they respond, hashtag proud parents. <laughs> I, so I don't know who it is. Um, and in fact, wow, I, yeah. I, I tried to like uh, um, find out like if I knew this person. But anyway, it didn't uh, couldn't see it on their website. So if, anyway, ATC Food Safety, if you, if you listen, um, good job on, on your advertising for not being the same old, same old and making Twitter not a dumpster fire today. Um, no, it was no it was good. Good stuff. I, I I appreciate the slightly uh, to very irreverentness of uh, their their tweeting because so many tweets are just like so corporate and so annoying. So yeah, they are. And then really this, nice. yeah, this makes them stand out. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, maybe not in a good way, but for you and me, in a totally in a good way. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to get them any customers, but whatever. They're yeah, entertaining. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. my, not my job to figure out if it's going to be make sense for their business model. And um, and hey, we're, we're we're giving free free advertising on the podcast right now. So exactly the shut-ins. If you need, uh, uh, looks like uh, some sort of serve safe or red national registry of uh, food safety professionals or serve safe alcohol or something in the California Restaurant Association. Go check them out. There you go. That was free pub right there. That's a kind there of there you thing. go. Boom. Yeah. Nice. Can't, you, just, you can't buy advertising like that. No, you can't. I mean, literally, because we, we don't have a model to buy advertising. on our Exactly. We tried <laughs> we sort tried. of half, yeah. half, half acidly. Yeah. We just kept saying things like sponsor if we'll, we're willing to accept sponsors. Um, so and then and then when when people did uh, <laughs> ask us about it, we quoted them what I thought was a very fair rate. And they're like, yeah, not. No. No. Yeah. I thought it was a great rate. Ah, what, <laughs> Please. Whatever. Best, all the best rates. Well, you know, it's like consulting, Ben. <laughs> you have to set, you have to set the the rate that you uh, would feel comfortable doing it. So we did exactly, exactly. All right. Speaking speaking of the Twitter and and the food safety on the Twitter, um, our our friend John Bassett, friend of the show, friend of Barf Blog. I mean, friend, just straight up friend, great guy to hang out with. Um, who uh, tweets at the handle at Food Risk Guy. Um, uh, yesterday, I think it was, no, a couple of days ago, uh, responded to a tweet from the UK Food Standards Agency because John uh, is, is in the UK. And uh, the tweet is, Lidl UK recalls Kenya gravy granules because of chemical contamination. Um, and uh, then they put a, a link. And so if you click on the link, it basically says, here's, it's a recall. It's like what it looks like, tells you what the risk is. Um, it tells people what the advice to consumers are. Um, and a thing that we love to, to sort of, uh, talk about, um, is how there just isn't a lot of information and there's a lot of, you know, get, get, leaves us when there are, um, recall notices to speculate. And then, uh, John Bassett, food risk guy says, um, uh, at FoodGov at Lytle UK, uh, how much, how frequent, how did it happen? And why not next time? Substandard risk communication. Anything else? Benjamin Chapman. And he texts me. <laughs> uh, and my response, which I, in real time, because um, I haven't answered this, is nope. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, but so there you go. This is, 
and I don't say this to be like, hey, look, um, people should you know listen to the kind of stuff that we talk about and follow it. But the only way that anything moves forward is that if we uh, um, call companies and government folks out on not doing a great job on risk communication and, and more of us that call people out, uh, they probably will. Uh, uh, I don't know if they'll listen, but at least more of us will be calling them out. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, exactly. Call, shout out to, to Food Risk Guy, John Bassett, for putting the um, food uh, risk communication filter on uh, the reading of the uh, recall rags, as I like to call them. Um, but yeah, so the the Twitter, I'm, you know, I'm I'm all in on Twitter, right? Except when I'm mm-hmm. on it. Except when you're not. Yeah. Except when I'm when I'm uh, too busy on the on the hockey arena, and and I do love. I just, I don't know. It's the place I like to go. It's all. It's all I have to say. Um, well, speaking of things that you like. How is the tarantula? <laughs> so funny you should ask. I didn't eat it or I haven't eaten it yet. Yet. Okay. And, and the reason why is I want to consume it with my kids. Of course. And I want That was to... how it was intended. Yeah. Right, right. It's not this is not a like um hey go ahead and and it's not like a, a treat that like like a like a Reese's peanut butter cup that I would uh eat by myself and not let anybody else know that I'm eating it. Right. This is a real uh, family style treat. So my, because <laughs> not, I don't think there's much to go around. But yes, it is a family it, style treat. It's very light. Um, uh-huh, I yeah. I haven't opened it yet because it says uh, clearly on the can if uh, don't uh, consume shortly after opening. Right. So I don't want it to to dry out further. Or... Well, I think it's I think it I think it's the other it's the other way around. I think what's going to happen is if you expose it to the air, it's going to absorb moisture and it's just going to get it's not going to be like light and and airy. It's going to be chewy and rubbery. So Good point. Good point. I don't want it to 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 get chewy and rubbery or whatever poor quality they the spider farmers um think that might happen. <laughs> um, right. And and so I'm uh, I'm saving it and and Don I think you'll you'll really like this I'm saving it for a Christmas dinner. You know it's it's a it's a family tradition. It is it's spiders for uh, spiders for all Sp- spiders spider leg for you and a spider leg for you and I'm gonna eat the head um, and it's just like a just like a, a tiny tiny dried turkey. Exactly. Um, so so yeah that, that's my plan. It's uh, it's here at home. Uh, we're gonna crack that baby open on Christmas uh, Day, <laughs> and I'm gonna make my kids eat it with me. Ha! Gonna make them eat it. Yeah, well, <laughs> that won't that won't traumatize them. Well, no. So here's the deal. I've got it planned because um, mm-hmm. they are uh, they like to fight us on on, on eating anything. Uh, oh, excellent. Yeah, no. There's like 15 things that they eat. So I'm gonna say, eat your turkey, eat your mashed potatoes, eat your vegetables, or you're gonna eat the spider. <laughs> I, th- I think you should try the opposite, which is like, hey, your mom and I got this really cool treat, but you guys can't have any. You're too young. <laughs> and, then, and then see see if that works. I don't know. Anyway. I, so I, I like where you're going with that. I I feel like the, um, the heavy-handed uh, force of the food <laughs> law is needed uh, in my house based on history. Um, but, uh, you know, I, we, we have uh, – We've we've taken very many approaches, but not once have I said, if you don't eat this, you're going to have to eat this spider. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's worth trying at least once. Yeah. Well, and in fact, I have a whole plan where I'm going to make you eat spiders, 
and then they're going to not believe it. And then I'm going to open up the can and say, no, I'm going to make you eat this spider. This spider. Yes. So there, uh, so there you go. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's the, yeah. Haven't, uh, haven't, haven't consumed it yet, but it's ready to go. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, uh, uh, and and maybe uh, ordering some some uh, some follow up uh, for you some some mealworms or or something else. Excellent! I I can't wait. I mean, I I, I can wait. <laughs> well, you I mean you're gonna wait because yeah. Um, hey, so uh, holiday season. I noticed on uh, on the Facebook, which is different from the Twitter, that uh, mm-hmm. you're uh, you watched uh, or or were planning on watching Love Actually last night. Oh, we totally watched Love Actually, and not only that, speaking of holidays, on Saturday we went to see the new Star Wars. We went to see Rogue One, oh. So, and, and I know I know you also did go because you tweeted a picture, I think, of you guys at the theater, or somebody did. Maybe it was you guys. Anyway, I, I know I you guys were going, so, so we should probably do a little uh, probably not spoilery um, Rogue One talk, but yes, I would love to talk about Love Actually. Well, all right, let's talk Rogue One first Okay, because it was awesome. It's great. Go see it. Go see it. If you haven't seen it yet, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Stop what you're doing. Stop listening. I I don't say this, Ben, about many things, but if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this podcast right now, pause the podcast and go watch it. Well, absolutely. Um, and go go um with I. So this is this is one I I had very uh I didn't even have an um a thought of what I knew basically that you know there were plans involved but I knew nothing else of the story like cuz no one did but I that didn't bother me at all and I loved it I went very open minded like I just want to be entertained by a Star Wars story for the next 2 hours and I was thoroughly thoroughly entertained um uh and it was um uh, it, it was really good and it was good the um it was uh, so I took both my kids and Jack was much more into it um, than Sam was, which is a little different from uh, Force Awakens last year, where they were both just like really, really into it because there was a lot of continuation of of story. Um, this, you know, takes a very small slice of of, of a previous um, Star Wars uh, plot and then blows it all up. And then uh, Jack remembered that more than Sam did. So he was mm-hmm. much more engaged. Uh, but the battle scenes, uh, no spoilers, there are battles. I mean, it's Star Wars, right? There's going right. to be lasers and spaceships. Uh, they, the, they, were so, uh, they were so good that that, kept, uh, that brought Sam back into it. Yeah, and you know, and I, I had heard that it was sort of set in the Star Wars universe, but it was not sort of in the main storyline. But I was – so I was coming – to it expecting that it was really going to be rather unconnected, but it's majorly connected, right? Like, uh, you know, it, there's, there are incredibly this, like you said, it's, it's sort of as as if you took a tiny little slice of another movie and then said, okay, now we're going to just take this little, little aspect of the story. And we're going to explore this giant backstory around this little aspect of the story. And it's, yeah, very, again, I don't want to talk too much about it in case people haven't seen it, but it's, it's really rewarding. So. It is. Um, and, and I, it made me think that, uh, you know, that I think there's going to be like 39 other star Wars universe movies or something. And mm-hmm. I'm ready. Like, I kind of want mm-hmm. one to come out like every week. I wish there was, I wish there was just like Netflix backstories of all of this. And, 
uh, and then they could get all these great directors and writers to write it. Anyway, it was uh, well, and in thirty in thirty nine years, that will be true, man. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> I will have to wait another thirty nine years. But it was it's cool. I, I like and the picture that I uh, that I posted was uh, of the three of us sitting at the same theater as we were a year ago, uh, getting ready for the Force Awakens. And I and I really like that it's now a holiday kind of tradition too. And I'm sure that's all part of the marketing. But it was oh totally. Yeah, like like Thursday last week were, was my kid's last day uh, of school, and then they were off Friday. And so a month ago, I kind of made the decision. I was like, okay, well, we're going to go Friday to go see this movie because it's like let's kick off the holidays. So 9.50 in the morning we were there, um, and I you know, woke them up and – on Friday, I was like, uh, breakfast for or popcorn for breakfast. And and Sam's like, Can we get Sour Patch Kids as well? And I was like, Of course we can. It's all you're on vacation. We're gonna break all of the food rules. You don't have to go to school today. And so it was kind of like that is part that's part of the specialness of it, uh, as well that that we experienced. It was awesome. Yeah, and and so last year, um, uh, I went uh, with Kristen and and my older son, uh, who was living with us at the time. And uh, this year, um, he in uh, in in part, I think, in celebration of him being off on his own and paying his own way and living living in another state, he's like, yeah, hey, the, you you want to go to Star Wars? I'll take you guys. And oh. so he he went he went online. He bought the tickets. He he came down to New Jersey from Connecticut, uh, driving driving in the, at night and through a snowstorm. But he got here. And uh, we went to the movie and it was it was awesome. It was and it was good. It was good to see him. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a really, really nice experience. We 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 really enjoyed seeing it. So and we enjoyed uh, obviously him coming down to, to take us. So it was it was nice. Oh, Very, again, I think it's I think you're right. I think it's all part of the marketing. Right. They you build it in around family time. You set up this family tradition and, and yeah, it just becomes a becomes a thing. And also it helps that the movie didn't suck. Right. Like, right. yeah, <laughs> but that 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 helps the franchise when you make things that are are good. Yeah, absolutely. And they and they've got a, a history of that. Even, you know, the those lost three first uh prequel mm. episodes, they're they're still like uh, I think we talked about this last year around um The Force Awakens. My kids are are much they like those as much, if not more, um, especially episode one, uh compared to the original Star, you know, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, and, and, I, you know, they're just geared to a different age group, I think. So, um, they, you know, they, they don't disappoint, um, or they haven't disappointed at least, uh, and up, up to this point. And I'm look. I mean, yep. I think next year is the either, I don't know if it's episode eight or young Han Solo or both of them, whatever I'm, I'm there, what, mm-hmm. whatever's coming out on, uh, you know, December 16th or 20th, I'll, I'll go see that. Yeah. Hey, you know, what shouldn't be a family tradition? Uh, foodborne illness. <laughs> um, maybe going to Trump Grill, oh, which, Trump which Grill. might which might be the worst restaurant in America. It could <laughs> so, be. It could be. There's a there's a and again, I'm sure people uh, have uh, have seen this already, but but let's spend some time and talk about it. Um, I will link to the the Barf blog post uh, and maybe to the original post as well, depending on how quickly I can I can click uh, click in the browser. But um, so uh, Tina. Nguyen, who's a writer at uh, Vanity Fair, uh, posted a review of Trump Grill, which is the restaurant in Trump Tower. And as you know, Ben, or I'm not sure you know, but uh, we had an election recently uh, here in the United States. And apparently, oh God, this is horrible. Um, <laughs> Donald Trump is going to be president um, unless unless something happens in today, today. Yeah. right. 
Um, yeah, so this we're recording uh, Monday, December 19th. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, but, uh, <laughs> anyway, it's, it, this is a, this is a brilliant, uh, brilliant review. Um, uh, and it goes, it just goes on and on. But anyway, um, uh, I'll just quote briefly. My companions and I contemplated the most painless way to eat our flaccid gray Szechuan dumplings with their flaccid gray innards as a campy version of jingle bells jackhammered in the background, a giant gold box tied with a red ribbon toppled onto us. Trump, it seemed, was already fighting against the war on Christmas. So anyway, it's uh, it just goes on and on. It's it's well worth reading. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I had no desire to go to Trump Grill. Uh, and now uh, I, I think I, I still won't. I still won't go. <laughs> Hello? Uh, oh, ben, my, I, my, micro- oh. my microphone was off. Okay. I was um, even I was even talking. I was like full sentence into something. Um, the, my, the, the the menu itself would like to impress diners just how important it is. Randomly capitalizing fancy words like prosciutto and julienne and strangely house salad. salad. <laughs> um, I, I was introduced by uh, to this uh, review by uh, one of my new favorite podcasts, Keeping It Sixteen Hundred, from uh, the Ringer Podcast Network. And uh, 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 two former uh, Obama staffers run that uh, um, podcast, and, and they also went through uh, these words. They pointed out the their favorite line, which I turned into mine. The allure of Trump's restaurant, like the candidate, is that it seems like a cheap version of rich. The <laughs> I love it. The inconsistent uh, yes. menus. Literally, my menu was missing dishes that I found on my dining partners. <laughs> or oh, I, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Uh, well, I would I, we wouldn't eat here anyway, but good for uh, good good for um, uh, excellent scathing reviews. Um, so uh, to uh, to come back to just circle off a little bit on love actually. Uh, mm-hmm. I, oh yes, well, we, we, which we can tie into uh, our our <laughs> president elect as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, there, so you watched watched that yesterday. It's a great great holiday tradition movie. Uh, and well, then, well, let's let's oh. be fair. Not everyone likes it. Wow. Uh, what? Yeah. Michelle, Michelle <laughs> in the fade on Twitter hates it, and that's okay. We we love her anyway. She's still a good person, but she just doesn't like it. And so, of course, when I was watching it, I felt the need to tag her on my Facebook post. Um, and a bunch of people liked it, and then she sent me an angry face. So, yeah. thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. Big, Big fan. fan of your work. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I like I like that movie. Um, I haven't I, I haven't watched it every year. My my uh, um, three consistent holiday movies uh, that I will watch uh, religiously every year are um, Elf. Uh, for the fantastic uh, Will Ferrell and Zoe Deschanel uh, performances, um, Christmas Vacation uh, for the excellent, excellent uh, Chevy Chase at his at his height of, uh, of of comedic acting. That and and Caddyshack, I think, are his his two best. Um, and then uh, the little known uh, or little associated holiday movie, which is definitely a holiday movie. Die Hard. Die Hard, yes. Yeah, which I will be watching, uh, I think, uh, either later this afternoon or, or this evening. Um, and uh, and Love Actually, I wa- you know, we watched it last year. Maybe I'll throw it on this year. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty good. Like it's there. There's just parts of it. It's it's good. It's good background. Good holiday background. 
Uh, well, and, and, and I understand why people don't like it, because there are aspects of many of the characters that are actually quite unlikable or anyway, th- there's a lot yeah. of reasons. I, I understand why people don't like it, but I, I just love it. It's just a just a fun, fun Christmas movie. I like the intricacies of the plot and how the characters cross over. And uh, anyway, uh, what's his name? Um, Rowan Atkinson is just brilliant <laughs> in it. Small, small, but crucial couple, you know, small, but crucial uh, scenes where he plays. Um, but yeah. It's just uh, it's it's a great movie. It is, yeah. It's it's really really good. Uh, and uh, Saturday Night Live on Saturday night uh, tied into the uh, the election with Love Actually with a fantastic parody of one of the famous uh, Love Actually scenes where um, one of the characters arrives at uh, the door of another character who he's been in love with forever, um, who's uh, married to his best friend, and and um, uses these cards to put a message uh, to her. And so uh, Saturday Night Live uh, used that same uh, same scene to uh, parody uh, for uh, Hillary Clinton to one of the electors, and it's awesome. Yeah. It's and it's 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 again we 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 uh, will link to it, and it's well uh, it's well well worth uh, checking out. Uh, again, that's my that's my fun thing to do on Sunday because I'm I'm old. I don't stay up. I don't watch. Saturday Night Live, but I think these guys—they're really—they're—I think they're firing on all cylinders with their with their uh, uh, winding up of the, of the president elect oh, yeah. um, with all that they're doing. I I just uh, you know I, it's 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 great and uh, and and good for them and and yeah I, I it just makes me happy. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, yeah, the show's the show's been really watchable uh, lately. It has been uh, uh, in in our Hulu. Um, uh, playlist on Sunday uh, mornings, like okay, let's see what it, let's see what happened last night. Um, hey, hey, spe- speaking of uh, uh, in the fade on Twitter, um, she she posted something um, uh, on Twitter which I linked to, and I want to get your I want to get your perspective on this. I don't know. I think I, I think I might have uh, I, I put it in the in the in the um, <clears throat> in the Dropbox. Yeah. So she so she she writes. Um, uh, uh, on Twitter, she writes, my sister bought this game where you put some dental-like contraption in your mouth. This does not look like fun, and I'm not playing. And then she said, do you have to disinfect the pieces every time you play? This just looks terribly conceived, like a terribly conceived idea. And, and I think my response is, that looks horrible. <laughs> it, it looks awful. Um, I don't know what this game is. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know what it's called. I'm sure we can find it quickly. But mm-hmm. um, our friend friend of uh, uh, of the show and uh, Conference for Food Protection, Troy Huffman. Are you are you friends with uh, Troy Huffman on uh, on the Facebook? Do you know Troy? Uh, I, I the name sounds familiar. I'm not sure if we're we're, fa- we're so, friends on on social media. So Troy is formerly of the um, uh, I think City of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, health department, but it could be that he was from Nebraska Department of Health, like the state. I don't know. But he's recently, in the last couple of years, moved to Colorado. Um, and uh, he he was a fan of the info sheets and Barf Blog a long time ago. And I, and I know he listens to the show because we talked about it on uh, at CFP this year. Anyway, he, on December 17th, posted a picture of himself wearing this same contraption, <laughs> saying, ready to play the game. Um, and it looks terribly uncomfortable. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's so and, for, and we'll link to this. It, the game is called Watch Your Mouth. Oh my gosh! Y a apostrophe Watch Your Mouth. What is it? What's it all about, Don? Can you? Oh, <clears throat> let's see here, Ben. I think you have to put this thing in your mouth, and then you have to uh, like try to say something, and people have to understand what you're saying. So, gosh. let's see. Let's look at the rules. Um, 
All right, you have to decide on gameplay. Bah bah. Um, uh, yeah, you put this. You put this mouth guard in your mouth, and then you have to say words, and people have to understand what you're saying. And on the official rules, it has mouth guard cleaning and care. So uh, let's uh, let's let's look it up. Uh, mouth sure. guard cleaning and care. Um, I click on that, and it doesn't show me anything. So uh, cleaning, cleaning. Uh, oh yes, cleaning. Hand wash with soap and hot water or boil for three to five minutes. Dishwasher safe, top rack only. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm, this looks horrible. It does. And, and I, I guess, oh, I guess there's a whole bunch of, um, everyone gets their own for, uh, contraption for the game. For yeah. The game. You don't so have to share time. it around. Oh. I was, I was under the impression that there was just one. And that uh, <laughs> no, that's disgusting. That's that's how I that like literally that's what I thought was going on here. Um, what comes with the game? Ten cheek retractors, five small and five large of varying colors, so you don't get them mixed up. That's good. These yeah, are yeah. dental quality dishwasher safe appliances that fit both small and big mouths. You know who you are. <laughs> oh. oh man, I don't want to put stuff in my mouth, Don. Not to play a game. No, this, this is, this is, this just, this, and this, it, oh, I just can't, I, oh, she just, she linked to a picture on her tweet and it just looks horrible. It does. I'm going to tweet, well, I'm going to text you a picture I'm gonna of Troy. Go, I'm going to have to go to a different page and not look at this. You'll enjoy this uh, in a second. Um, so. Yeah, it looked familiar, I think, because I probably saw Troy post this on Twitter before. It, yeah. it could be. It's, it just looks like an awful game. Um, you know what? <laughs> Speaking of games, you know what game uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna play? Uh, yeah, well, I'm gonna play a lot of hockey. Um, okay. No, another like uh, I'm gonna teach my kids. So so Jack is interested in cards. Okay. Um, and and I I think I think he wants to gamble. Well, two things that may be related, maybe unrelated. He likes the song "The Gambler" by Kenny Rogers. By Kenny Rogers, yeah. And who doesn't? Yeah, and uh, when we were at uh, Walmart the other day, uh, he saw some cards in the checkout line. He's like, "Let's get some cards, and you can teach me how to play cards." So uh, he he we've we have uh, played the game of War, uh, which is not like a you know a real game of skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm I are you familiar with Michigan Rummy or Ramoli? Do you know this game? You ever heard? Of I I I am not. This is a game that I grew up playing uh, with my grandparents because I uh, um, I uh, live a life of shelter uh, in, in and don't have any siblings. And uh, every holiday, I would get together. These like looking back on it, it's going to sound very sad, but my my entire like Christmas or Thanksgiving um, uh, like uh, experience was we would go to one of my grandparents' house. And the other set of grandparents and my parents and I would all we would go there, and um, and then we would play cards, and I was you know this is the only kid and we played this game called Michigan Rummy, um, it was one of the one of my favorite games when I was growing up and uh, I can't remember all of the rules for it. I know that it's like you if you have a poker hand you you get to put chips in or take chips out, um, and then whoever has the most chips at the end wins the game. Um, and, and anyway, it's a way that 
this is the way that I learned how to play poker. Um, so that's what I'm going to use this for is, uh, to teach my kids, uh, how to play poker. And then hopefully, um, you know, advanced, uh, card playing maybe six or eight months from now, I will take all of their birthday money off of them in games of cards. <laughs> Excellent. Well, no, and I have to say that does not sound sad. In fact, that sounds delightful, but part of that is my, my upbringing. And so again, this also is a story around grandparents and playing cards. So my grandfather, my mom's dad, huge uh, fan of bridge. And, uh, but of course, bridge is kind of complicated. Um, but we learned uh, game games like spades and hearts, which are basically games that train you <clears throat> in the same, uh, the same sort of skills that you need for, for playing bridge. And so I have very fond memories of not, not at the holiday, well, not at the holiday times, but in the summer months when we would go to visit my grandparents, um, we would go and we would, we would sit and play uh, usually hearts or, or spades or, you know, various games uh, to learn again, just to learn how to play cards. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so no, that does not sound sad at all. That sounds, that sounds perfectly delightful and a good use of time. And uh, yes, um, definitely. And you could teach, teach your kids uh, uh, blackjack too. Blackjack is pretty, pretty simple. And again, that's a, that's a good one, you know, for learning probabilities and stuff like that. So absolutely. I, um, so my grandparents, uh, so I mean, it's, it's a time or it's a, uh, a story of, of the times, but my, both my grandparents, that's what they would do for like socially, they would play cards with other, other couples that were older like them. And one of my grandparents said, my dad's parents uh, were, were big bridge, uh, players as well. And I never, I, I, I still don't know how to, um, how to bridge or how to play bridge. I, I've never like, I've never played it. I haven't I've never read anything about it, but my, I'm going to send you a link as you were talking about this. Cause it reminded me of something that was not very fun when I was a kid, which was that my grandparents used to watch this TV show called championship bridge, which <laughs> do you know this? Thrilling. Have you heard about no. this? It aired no. from 1959 to 1964 and reruns oh, of my. it aired on public television in Ontario. And, and it mm. was just like 20 minutes of people playing bridge. And, um, it's, I, I don't know. It was, the, I guess the first reality show. Um, so, <laughs> so I hated the idea of bridge based on that. This was the thing that was on in the background. Um, and when my, uh, when we were at my, my grandparents' house, um, but my other grandparents, my mom's parents, they played lots of fun games that I liked, like hearts, um, and, uh, uh a couple other, um, uh, other card games that were like uh, gin rummy and and things like that. Um, so, but uh, there were the poker players, uh, and my you know we had the the bridge players and the poker players. Um, so I, I almost every holiday I would uh, I got pretty good at at a couple of these uh, games, um, and I, I would uh, take all of my grandparents' winnings. Like we'd play for a quarter a game or a dollar a game. Uh, you know, just teaching teaching gambling early to a mm -hmm. you know, eight and nine year old. Uh, mm -hmm. But then I would uh, get all this uh, this money if I won, and I would go uh, to the corner store and buy penny candy with it. Fond fond holiday memories. Nice, nice. You know, this is funny. So the the, the episode that you have uh, sent me, um, uh, so you've, you've sent me a link to a website which includes uh, the a video from the old television series, and the episode uh, that's linked is uh, features uh, uh, Chico Marx of the Marx Brothers. Yeah. And uh, Ivan Erdos, who I think is famed for the Erdos number, the mathematical uh, Erdos number, which is like uh, Kevin Bacon, except for science, um, <laughs> and then two other people that I haven't heard from, heard of. 
including somebody named uh, John Gerber, who's not to be confused with uh, John Gruber um, of uh, Daring Fireball fame and, and also a big fan of the Blackjack. So. Right, right. Um, I just like, like if you read down this, uh, the board, it's um, uh, after two passes, some might open the East hand, but it's a stretch with no aces. Ivan Erdos properly opened one C and Edith Kemp overcalled one S. The announcer suggested a double, which would be a terrible today. It's, it's just phenomenal to see the commentary on a bridge game, I think. Yeah, well, you know, this and this is like this my grandfather would sit and read the news, read the bridge, you know, thing in the newspaper and analyze it and he just he was just really into it. And and my mom um is a little bit less into it, but she also still regularly goes now, you know, now that she's retired and she, you know, needs things to do <laughs> to keep her busy. Um she plays bridge with her friends and she really uh she really enjoys it. So no, it was my it was like a big thing, like my it was just a big thing to my grandfather, like golf and bridge. Those were like, you know, the central core of his uh, of his uh, his life after retirement. So I yeah. feel like our grandparents would have been friends. I think so. I think I, so. It would have been that would have been cool. We could have like hung out. Uh, well, the, I don't know. The timing might not have worked. But. Yeah, I think that we need a time warp. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's that's cool. Yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna um, the the uh, Michigan Rummy is in the uh, in the Amazon uh, queue or not queue, but it's been it's been shipped. So. Uh, so I'm going to teach my kids some some card games um, this year, and and like I said, hopefully uh, train them on how to gamble. And I remember having this conversation with my my grandparents, like you can't go play this game at at school because it's gambling, and and your teachers will like arrest us. <laughs> so, so they were worried about corrupting you. They were just worried about getting arrested themselves. I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's totally that was like absolutely it. Like, don't, don't tell them that we taught you how to gamble. And, and then if you were to go like and win, then, um, then, you know, we would get in trouble for that. Not you. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, um, a huge gambler. I do. I, I, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but one of the things that we used to do also, actually, it turns out this is gambling safety talk today. Um, uh, also for birthdays and special occasions in my family, we would go to the thoroughbred racetrack. I don't know if I've mentioned that. Um, no. And so, uh, in, in Southern Ontario, there's a lot of, uh, towns that are, you know, it's not that, I mean, there's, there's race racetrack in Toronto, but, uh, south of Peterborough, close to where I grew up, there's one, um, in, uh, the town of, I think it's Alora or Fergus, not too far from Guelph. There's another racetrack and, and it's like a big buffet with prime rib. And then you go watch 10 races and you bet on the races. And uh, again, when I was a kid, this was like a really cool thing because uh, I would be entertained by watching these, these races where my, I, you know, I would pick the names of the horses that we would uh, go put a bet, bet on. And my grandfather would go place a bet on it and would be like, if we win, you know, we, you win any money, it's all your money, which was cool. Like, um, so he was just doing my, my bidding. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it was like, that was like a thing for, for father's day or, or, um, you know, uh, summer birthdays in my family, a lot of, a lot of gambling in the, uh, Chapman, uh, household, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And there's no horse racing here in North Carolina because I would take my kids like for the mm. for the same thing. But I I don't think it's yeah. I don't know if it's not illegal, but we don't. I mean, we definitely don't have any horse racing. 
Yeah, well, we, we do have horse racing in New Jersey, and uh, actually there's a, 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 a harness track right, like, walk walking distance from, from my house. Like, the Starbucks that I walk to to get my coffee is is further than, than the racetrack. So, uh, but I have never been um, because I just don't know. Like, I would need to go with somebody who knew, like, what to do. Like, I just wouldn't be sure, like, like I, I know where to park. And I know where the door is, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, after I went inside, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't know like what I was supposed to do. You know, I'd be afraid of like making a mistake or something. <laughs> well, it's, it, it is, it's kind of fun. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, but, but you're right. You got to know the, you know, the trifecta or the exactor or whatever the, the term. Yeah. The are. ins, the ins and the outs. So uh, what have you. Yeah. So I just looked up the North Carolina gambling laws and, uh, just, uh, for just so you know, and so it's clear, I will not be gambling with my children. Just a heads up for anyone who's listening. <laughs> to any, to any investigators. Yeah. Listening. I will be, we will not be using real money, but gambling <laughs> is punishable as a class two misdemeanor. Horse racing in North Carolina is prohibitive, prohibited. Greyhound racing is also prohibited. Um, it also, uh, um, can't have pyramid and chain schemes, uh, can't have gambling in a house of public entertainment. Uh, so yeah, no, nothing, nothing like this. Uh, also casinos pick, are allowed uh, Indian reservations. And also use the right bathroom, right? You still uh, have to use the bathroom uh, until uh, tomorrow. Until tomorrow. Uh, yes. Don, oh my gosh, Don, this is extremely exciting news that, um, there is a uh, vote scheduled to repeal HB2 tomorrow because we have a new governor who is Democrat and who campaigned on um, repealing HB2. And there was uh, a lot of businesses lost a lot of money, which influenced who won in our um, state elections. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, yeah, there's a vote scheduled uh, for tomorrow uh, to repeal that law in full, not just nice, parts of it. Nice. Oh, so excited. But, and, but the not to make this into politics safety talk, but uh, I also heard that the the the, uh, the North Carolina Republican controlled legislature is going to be passing rules that basically limit the power of the incoming governor. Did I get that right? Yes, yes, yes. I don't uh, have time. It's it's just a mess. In in like special under. Uh, one of uh, friends of the show, friend of the show, and uh, Facebook friend of yours, uh, Dr. Sarah Kirby, um, mm. uh, ha has been uh, actively calling representatives uh, to to express her uh, discord uh, with the uh, process, which she is uh, labeled as under the guise of darkness, because Oof. they're sp uh, scheduling a whole bunch of special sessions. Uh, either during the work day or late at night, which just seems like something that would happen 200 years ago mm -hmm. uh, to, to do this stuff. So mm. I, I know what a, it's awful. It's awful. Uh, yeah. We, we live uh, in one sense in a, um, in a, a state that should be progressive and, and looks like it's taking a step forward by repealing the craziest law of all time. Um, and, uh, then, uh, then we have the same legislature that says, no, uh, as the new governor coming in, you cannot appoint, uh, uh, political appointees. And the biggest argument that I've heard is because Democrats in the seventies did this. It's like, mm. how like petty is that? Very petty, Don. Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> Well, hey, so before uh, before we move on to other things that we might want to talk about, I do want to handle a uh, question from a listener that actually just came in today. Let's do it. Um, and so this is from uh, a friend of the show who I guess we probably we shouldn't we shouldn't name them. But anyway, um, 
so this person works uh, in food service, and uh, she says, uh, I made a couscous. So there's a lot of times and temperatures here, so so pay attention, okay? Got it, got it. I'm okay, all right. Um, I made it, and I, I apologize. I was going to kind of do uh, some pre-work to get this all sorted out and maybe run some computer models, but <laughs> that didn't happen. So uh, anyway, uh, I, made a, I made a couscous dish. Um, 10 quarts, uh, blah, blah, blah. The recipe is relatively unpopular and was definitely destined to be thrown away if not eaten by the end of lunch, uh, at 2.20 PM. Um, here's how I made it at 9.30, four hours and 50 minutes before the end of lunch service. I put water and couscous in the steamer until well cooked about 15 minutes. It was over 200 degrees Fahrenheit, cooled for 20 minutes, uh, stirring into a half-inch hotel pan every so often, mixed in dry cranberries, uh, drained canned or mandarin oranges, two pounds of canned drained chickpeas, salt and pepper, all at room temperature, divided the hotel pan full of the recipe, which was complete except for the garnish of cilantro. My advice would be leave off the cilantro, <laughs> um, one of the worst, most contaminated uh, Risk, herbs ever. Riskiest food I eat consistently. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Riskiest food I don't eat consistently. Yeah. Um, into three shallow 12-inch uh, service dishes, uh, covered, placed in the region refrigerator about 10.15, 10.45. I steamed one of these until over 180, placed that out for service. Around 11.15 to 11.30, I removed the other two from the fridge and placed them on the prep table, began the rise in temperature that would be com would be completed in the cooking process approximately three hours. I did not check the temperature, relied on my experience to tell me the product was cooling, uh, was cooled down significantly, probably close to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. At 11.45, I heated the second pan to 180, placed it at 145 in the warmer. Third pan I left on the counter, about 12. Internal temperature of the covered dish on the prep table was 60. Um, um, oh, measured at 60 by somebody from, um, like, regulatory, let's just say, um, she gave a direction to place the food in the reach-in and not leave it on the counter, which I complied with while also asking, did not this food fall under the four-hour rule? She said, no, it did not. It must remain in the refrigerator until placed in the steamer. Uh, I want to make it clear my priority is not being right, but preparing safe food. Also, the situation is of interest because it represents a scenario that is repeated countless times in food service where food is removed from proper refrigeration. Um, and is worked by cooks in preparation for a few minutes to an hour and then immediately enters the cooking process or back in the refrigerator for a short time, never having got chilled back down. In other words, what seems to me what what seems to me to tend towards confusion is the convergence of several food code regulations involving cooling foods, time is a public health control, and time permissible for RTE, potentially hazardous foods, to remain out of temperature control before being thrown away and so on. Another way of looking at it is to, is to ask, is removing the food from temperature control part of the cooking process? Um, this is how I was viewing the situation with couscous, that by taking it out of the refrigeration, which visually reminds me to steam it soon and get it into hot holding, I was starting the cooking process. Um, and since it was all within four hours, is roughly, roughly four hours, it was okay. Um, yeah, it goes on and on, um, not on and on. It goes on for a little bit. Um, anyway, so what do you think about, and I, I apologize if this was not clear to you or to the listeners, but anyway, what do you think? Yeah. No, no. So, okay. Let me, um, let me, let's, let, let me go back and, and, uh, um, I guess summarize this a bit. So we have three, sure. um, different, 
um, trays of, of couscous or products that, that contain couscous with a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them was uh, you cooked until 180 and placed out for service of the staff. So let's, mm-hmm. that one's good. Um, and then uh, 45 minutes later after that happened, um, there were two others that were uh, refrigerated but not fully cooled, and they were placed on a prep table. And uh, they were then um, to be uh, completed within three hours. Um, and so, so, so the thoughts were they were cooked over 200, 45 minutes. The temperature was cooled down significantly, um, as our, our listener says, probably close to 50 degrees. And then an hour afterwards, sorry to, if I'm restating this, Don, but I just want to make sure mm-hmm. we've got to yep. clear. Um, yep. there was a, a second, that one of those second pan at um, ended up reheated above 145 and placed around at one, uh, sorry, heated up to 180, placed in, uh, in the 145 warmer. And then the third pan is really the one that's in question here that, right. uh, that was, uh, that has gone through a couple of different things. One is that it was cooked to 200 degrees Fahrenheit and then cooled, uh, for about 45 minutes and then placed at, uh, at room temperature. And so, um, the individual who comes in, uh, checks the, you know, the regulatory person checks this one that's sitting on the counter and says, you know what, this is at 60 degrees Fahrenheit and, um, needs to either go into the region or be disposed. That's the question here. Right. As far as I can, as far as I can see. Um, right. And, and so I, I, so from, uh, this is where I think we get into interpretation of the regulatory rule or um, the, uh, the, the science behind it. And, and I think that this is something that I've encountered um, with, with folks, not, you know, not just here in North Carolina, but across uh, the U.S. and Canada and the U.K., where um, uh, sometimes you may have an environmental health specialist who um, sees a food that is out of temperature and doesn't is not interested in the backstory as to why that food's out of temperature um, and then disposes of it because the backstory without documentation doesn't, doesn't really exist. And, um, and and whether like, in other words, it could, it could be at 60 degrees because that's the temperature of your kitchen and that's, and that's where it's been for 24 hours. And and if you can't prove the backstory to me, I'm just going to make a decision based on what I see, which is the current temperature. Correct. Correct. That's you know that that's one one sort of interpretation, um, and, and and that um, here uh, or not and, and or the other one would be okay. It's at six degrees. Why is it at six degrees? Well, maybe I'm using time as a public health control, um, or this is part of the preparation step. And this is really what the what the question you know the inquirer is asking about. And um, I, I I feel like in my experience, the latter is more is becoming more prevalent than the former where, where people are asking better questions and saying, well, could, if you are using time as a public health control, can you show me where this is and why you're using it? And let's walk through this, the process from start to finish of this, of this product. The, the question here though, that I think is interesting is, is that um, the regulatory individual didn't say dispose of it. They essentially said, you've got to put it back into the, 
uh, into the walk-in or the reach-in or maybe where it's got to go somewhere basically right. Um, right. to not hold this at room temperature, which is, um, and I don't know, that's a, that's a surprising interpretation to me, right? Like they're, this individual is basically saying, um, go ahead and, uh, yeah, put it in the reach-in. Don't, don't cool it or warm it on the counter, whatever you're trying to do. Don't let it sit either actively try to take heat out of it again or, um, or, or start to put heat in it. Right. In other words, this, even though for the person doing the prep, the person who asked us the question, um, it's potentially okay because of time as a public health control, but to the regulator, it's like, well, if it's not being heated or it's not being cooled, it's not right. 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 And so yeah. you need to, to remediate. And so, yeah. So what I would say, my, my perspective on this is one, we need to realize that there's an objective reality, right? Which is, which is the food and pH and water activity and bacteria and science and, and all of that. And then overlaid on that is our regulations, which are of necessity, not as nuanced and complex as the science, because, well, first of all, it could only be as nuanced and complex as our current understanding of the science, and, and that's a moving target, but, but also regulations should be science-based, but, but obviously the world is more complicated than the regulations could possibly encompass without the regulations being ridiculously complicated and requiring everyone to have a PhD, right? So, so I understand how regulations are right, simplified. Right. Yeah. Model the interpretation, right? Right. Is right. Well, and then, and then, right. And then, so, so number one, the, the regulations must be simplified, uh, as opposed to reality. And then on top of that, there's interpretation of the regulations, which is, which is yet another, um, sort of, uh, layer of that. And also realize that, uh, believe it or not, regulations are written by people and, uh, believe it or not, uh, people, uh, you know, are, are sometimes, you know, wrong and regu and, and regulations, it's like the it's like the discussion I had with uh, a, a friend, a colleague, a person I know from Boy Scouts, who is a staunch reporter, a uh, supporter of our president elect. Sorry to make it about politics again. Who got into a discussion with me when I posted something about food safety, and he just repeatedly hammered on me. This is what the food code says, right, right. and I didn't I didn't want to just like say look. You know, I got a PhD in this, and you've taken serve safe. So, you know, uh, step the f off, <laughs> right? Because right, right. yeah. I'd, I'd just be a jerk then. Um, but it's the same thing. It's like, well, so there's regulations, but then there's reality on top of that, and regulations are not perfect, and they're not a reflection of reality. Um, so, what should you do? And I guess in this situation, my advice would. So, what I would do if I was going to walk through solving this problem, I would say, well, so one thing you need to be aware of is every time you take the food above, uh, let's say, uh, pasteurization temperature, so every time you go above 160, unless unless it's uh, dehydrated for some reason, then you've essentially gotten rid of any risk of vegetative organisms. And now you're only thinking about spores until the temperature comes back down. And then you've got to ask the question, okay, did I recontaminate with Staph aureus or with Listeria, something that might be an environmental contaminant? Or did I, did I put cilantro on it? <laughs> In which case, I could have inoculated it with salmonella, but that's a separate issue. And then, and then what's the temperature profile there? And then also, one of the things that the regulations are silent on, which I think is a fascinating area of research, is what about repeated exposures, right? 
And, and so, and this is this has been something that we've been interested in, in terms of uh, uh, temperature control and uh, salmonella growth. And we have some 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 data that uh, my student Jen McConnell um, uh, published when she was getting a master's in my lab, where you take a food, let's say ground beef, through a temperature, a heating, and a cooling uh, profile, and you look at the amount of salmonella growth, and you see whether that matches the model predictions, which are typically predictions under static conditions. And then I had another a graduate student who came along and said, well, what if we took those models and now we ran the ground beef through repeated uh, uh, exposures and what happens to the cells and do they go back into lag phase? Well, short, long story short, turns out the cells do go back into, into lag phase. And so that actually impacts the, the, the growth predictions as well. So it turns out, um, as, as listeners of the podcast will, will be well aware, it depends that it's complicated. But I would say in this particular case, I do not see a real risk there, right? Like if we right. if we were to, to to get the pH and water activity of couscous, and we were to run some computer models, which are by their nature conservative, right? And that it means fail fail safe. They'll they'll predict danger where there is none. So I would trust them to give an accurate prediction. And if we made decisions based on the models, would be okay. I would say in this particular case, it's perfectly okay um, for the product to be at. Uh, room temperature at 60 degrees and for the person taking this action to be doing this. Now, the question is, is that a fight that you want to have right, right. with the yeah. regulator? And the answer is no, right? I mean, I mean, not and, at this point, and not, not in this situation. Now, if you are a uh, producer of massive quantities of couscous, which you are producing in a food factory, in a processing plant, which you are then shipping off to food service, a la uh, whatever. What was that? Uh, that taco restaurant, Mr. Taco, Mighty um, Taco, the Mighty, Mighty Taco. taco. Yep. Mighty, Mighty, Mighty Tacos. Uh, that's the, the famous, uh, the famous ska band, the Mighty, Mighty Tacos. Um, that's, <laughs> that's a reference. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, what was the, what, what did they do to control perfringens risk, uh, in, or bacillus risk in, in those beans, right? Well, so if, in a situation like that, where you've got a large quantity of food, you've got thousands of dollars at stake, well, then it's probably worth arguing that it's probably worth bringing in Right, right. Someone who can who can look at this? Is this a deviation? Is what's the actual food safety risk? But in this case, in a food service operation where you've got a person that could potentially shut you down, you could just follow what they said with the understanding that you are right and they're wrong, and just not worry about it because it's just not worth fighting that fight, right? I mean, sure, we could prove that the individual, the listener in this case, is right, um, and that the regulator in this case is wrong, but you know. Do you do you really want to do you really want to fight that fight? And what are and that's the other thing. So you've got you've got reality, you've got regulations, you've got interpretation. But then on top of that, you've got personalities. Right. And do you really want to fight? You really want to fight this fight or wouldn't you rather fight a different fight? Right, right, right. And 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 here's the like as our um, our questioner goes on to say is like. If I follow this to the letter of this interpretation, then almost all of the preparation that I do needs to be done under refrigeration. So it, it also goes back on that personality side of things on if the regulator says, hey, you know what? The last 15 times I was here, I've written, I've written you up or I've uh, shown a non noncompliance or nonconformance with how you are doing this particular thing. You don't seem to have learned. We're going to shut you down. Now we're in a different kind of situation, right? Like, right. like um, and so that, yeah, I think that all, uh, you know, and, and that doesn't get translated well if I was to look at the last three inspections, 
it, uh, it, that were posted on a website. You know what I mean? Like if I saw uh, has a problem with temperature control three times, as a consumer, I might think, oh, man, they really don't know what to do with temperature control. But in reality, the situation is this. It is that they are doing things in a safe way, but the interpretation of the uh, of the reg plus um, the um, the reg itself becomes uh, uh, leads to that that misinformation on that inspection result. Um, the other thing that I want to sort of highlight here is you also end up i think that the conservative side of this is if if i don't know how long that product was out there on on the um being cooled for plus i don't know whether you are able or your ability to keep it above 145 after you were doing this if other those two things are in question that's where that environmental health specialist or environmental health officer is taking a that this like okay i'm gonna be real hardline on it if if this uh this place had historically done a fantastic job on those steam tables um and that they they have proven to me as as an inspector that they know what to do and that sounds like so like garbage let me go back that they just haven't had a history of of um they have had a, a history of being able to control food safety, then I might say, you know what, this kind of situation, um, will, will let this, um, will let my interpretation go. But you know what I mean? Like this is the, the, the public health risk comes in, not just with that product being out at say 60 degrees in prep, it becomes a problem when it's out at 60 degrees in prep and then on the steam table below 135 degrees. Right, right, because 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 those two things work together, right? right you've got right. you've got the temperature abuse, and then you've got basically incubation yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. on the steam table, rather than rather than taking it up to a temperature where you have control. Yeah. So so I don't know. I mean, that's the. I think there's a lot of stuff that that comes in, it, and I mean, every one of these quick decisions, because this individual who's doing this regulating or or is providing this uh, this service might have seen fifteen things. Um, and, and we could probably dissect all 15 of those, you know, uh, that there are, uh, there are things to talk about all, all, all 15 of the, those, um, uh, observations. We're only really just like jumping in depth on one of them and kind of right. saying, uh, yeah, I, I would think that the product itself is probably as risky as it was, uh, it, it T equals zero based on this. Right. Um, agreed. Yeah. Um, the, other thing I wanted to highlight on this. Oh, so here's here's a like a question for you. In my experience, and this is you know to co- to go back to the questioner, um, over 200 degrees, and then cooled for 20 minutes on a prep table, stirring, and then um, uh, put into uh, the the cooling the you know, the walk in 45 minutes later, and then for half an hour. Uh, it seems like it got real cool real quick. But remember that a lot of uh, – we don't know the masses, but I, a lot of room temperature stuff was poured into it, right? Uh, the other gotcha, ingredients. Gotcha, gotcha. And that is probably uh, – that same that same thought occurred to me, but I think that's what's going on there. And again, we don't know the relative masses, but if you if you mixed it 50% with room temperature items, um, that would yeah. probably do it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And, and especially room temperature items that are then um, sort of homogenized around right yeah yeah okay all right good cool
<laughs> hey, you want to you want to keep talking uh, university food service? I do. I do want to talk. I want to talk one specific university's food service, Don. You you want to talk about mystery bugs? <laughs> I want to talk about mystery bugs. I want to talk about Rutgers. I want to talk about some of the dining halls that are out there in the uh, university well, system. You know, it 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 turns out that apparently, according to the uh, Daily Targum which is the uh, Rutgers uh, student newspaper, um, a mystery bug sends Rutgers students to the hospital. Um, and then uh, there's a lovely picture of uh, from Flickr, which is probably uh, norovirus. Uh, and it says, a, and then the picture caption says, a suspected norovirus may have sickened more than 30 students since December 7th, sending at least one to a hospital. Um, and then the story goes on to say, and we'll link to this, at least 35 students are complaining of feeling sick after a suspected virus broke out on campus around December 7th. This is not my writing. I am reading directly from the article. Um, many of these students who claim to have eaten at the Livingston and Brower dining halls believe they are suffering from food poisoning. But university sanitarian John Nason says he does not think this is a foodborne illness. Quote, the virus is people to people. We don't believe it's foodborne. End quote. He said, quote, most, most people are getting sick 90 minutes to two hours after eating, which doesn't make sense. Most people who get sick after eating eating think it's food poisoning, which John is, is actually more articulate than that. Um, but, but anyway, that's, uh, that's probably John talking and the uh, reporter doing their best to, uh, to try to make uh, some sense out of that. Um, there's a, there's a lot of information in this article, which is, uh, you know, rather short. Um, uh, but basically the bottom line is that we do have students getting sick. Um, and then, like I said to you, um, via the text message, um, I've got some backstory on this. So this, this article, uh, so as we record this, it is uh, Monday, December 19th. According to uh, what the Targum website says, the article was posted 14 hours ago. So we can say it was posted late on Sunday, the 18th. Um, and I am, and it references uh, an outbreak uh, around December 7th. Uh, I think that I'm not sure that, that I, I don't like... I don't like websites that don't give me a date and time that just say X number of hours ago because right, I, right. I always question whether it's really accurate. But anyway, um, so um, – and I don't know – you sent this to me, so I don't know when it came across uh, your desk. And, and actually last – I don't think the, – the, so the Targum stops publishing during – uh, winter break. And I don't, I don't know when they stopped publishing, but, uh, anyway, so, but they might still be doing online anyway. I, who knows the dates, but I can tell you, uh, that on, uh, December 12th, uh, I did get an email, uh, from our university sanitarian, uh, who contacted, um, the, um, uh, the person who is the, um, uh, head physician at Rutgers, uh, basically informing them of two, uh, different reports of illness, um, both from parents of students. Um, and again, it's two, uh, different dining halls. One, uh, one is the Brower, uh, dining hall that I believe is mentioned in the story. And I should say too, we have, uh, Nelson Livingston, Brower and, um, Bush, so th those are our four big dining halls. So, um, you know, the, the basically any student that's eating at a dining hall is going to be eating at one of those four or maybe one of the smaller facilities. And so 
what I have here in the, the, the email from the, from the sanitarian is um, the locations where the students ate and the foods that they ate. They ate at different locations and they had different foods. And um, apparently um, the, the onset was, at least for in the one case where we know it, was 90 minutes after the meal. And so clearly um, that is not norovirus um, or, or the, the onset is not foodborne and it was from another location. And so um, uh, John, I think, correctly uh, summarizes it to say the rapid onset uh, may be viral in nature. Um, but then, uh, but he's not going to draw any conclusions. He's, he's keeping his mind open as he should. Um, he also informed, uh, uh, county health department about it and then, um, got, uh, feedback from, um, the university physician who also said we have several, uh, several additional students all presenting with, uh, gastroenteritis symptoms. And again, her, um, uh, her opinion is, uh, again, this is an MD who's, uh, at the chancellor level. So pretty high up, um, that this is viral in nature. Um, and then my only uh, interjection on all of this is it's probably a good time for the dining hall to review policies on public vomiting and also just public health in general. Like, you know, the dining hall needs to redouble their efforts to make sure excluding ill workers, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, so I think we handled this correctly. I think this is probably a norovirus outbreak and it looks like um, – it's not a huge one, and it could not have come at a better time uh, because everyone is going home, <laughs> which is going to which is yeah. going to stop stop the uh, outbreak from spreading. So we might have dodged a bullet on this one, um, but uh, yeah, it looks like a norovirus outbreak and and not foodborne based on multiple locations, different foods, onset times don't match up with uh, with food consumption. So um, we're in the clear uh, in terms of a foodborne outbreak, but definitely um, we know historically norovirus virus is bad news in any of these kinds of situations. And so, like I said, couldn't have come at a better time. So uh, any, any, anything I missed, any thoughts you have? No, just um, uh, two, two little things. Um, I appreciate that uh, um, in the article um, there is a, uh, where does it say here? Um, uh, Nason said he received an unprecedented number of calls on Tuesday, which I think is as translated from its original uh, speak to be, it was originally unprecedented number of calls. Um, so, so, Freudian slip. Freudian, Freudian slip. Yeah. Slip. Um, so there, so there's that. No, and no, I think, I mean, I think you, you, you categorize things uh, really well. It's, um, it's that this is, um, Outbreaks at colleges and universities and schools where there's lots of people living together and they all do stuff together, like go to class and go to the gym and uh, eat together. It's really hard to uncouple person to person from from food. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it's norovirus season, which is like, has really kind of lost its meaning a little bit over the last couple of years because we see norovirus all throughout the year. Um, and especially the G24 Sydney, which seems to be much, uh, almost as prevalent in, uh, spring and, and fall months and into the summer as it is in the winter. But we, you know, there, we're going to see norovirus and the population is just going to have lots of norovirus around. So you, there may be person to person. It may just be community, um, on this. And yeah, there's a bunch of people, um, that, that are sick, but to try and find some sort of common source for norovirus is, is pretty, uh, pretty unlikely. I, I think that the, um, the extra precautions, um, on, uh, that are 
mentioned here, and you, you gave me a little more information, but mentioned here in the article, talks about extra precautions to prevent others from getting sick, as well as evaluating food service workers to know to ensure none of them are sick. Um, one of the things that, that I've been uh, suggesting to um, to businesses that are uh, that may have been uh, not the source of a food or a person to person norovirus outbreak, but are adjacent to it, or or at least maybe part of it. That this is the time that if they're using quaternary ammonia in their um, equipment uh, or you know just normal cleaning process, that this is where I would want to maybe use a chlorine based uh, sanitizer for a little bit because we know that chlorine is uh, more effective uh, when it comes to um, uh, inactivating the norovirus particles than, than quat based are, or use something that at least, you know, is validated, uh, against, uh, norovirus, um, for, and anything that you can get that's validated against human norovirus and not, uh, against the urine norovirus or, um, the feline Khaleesi virus. So not to get too nerdy, but that's what I would, you know, I, I think the quaternary ammonia stuff's great, in normal time, but when you know that you've got some uh, heightened uh, exposure to noro, this is the time when I'm using different compounds. And it's great that you can use those different compounds now because the students aren't around because the you know the school the semester is over. Right, and I, I will. I'll say there's another another email um, um, uh, from our sanitarian. He says I asked for the remainder of the semester. We increase our vigilance on monitoring food safety, stress, hand washing, glove use, hair restraints. Check on all staff, student workers to ensure an illness free workforce. Monitor food temperatures, cooking procedures, service line temperatures, which we're doing anyway. Uh, monitor sanitation procedures. Um, uh, any episodes of illness, vomiting in the dining hall must be attended to and cleaned immediately. Um, staff should utilize personal protective equipment to include gloves, goggles, dust masks to clean up such incidents. All areas should be sanitized with Oasis 146. Ooh, what's that? What's the Oasis 146? I, 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 I have no idea. I think it's an Ecolab product. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I'm not sure what it is for, but I'm sure it's, uh, it is a, a norovirus uh, uh, active well, uh, if you Google Oasis 146. Oh, it's quad. Oh, it's, it's a quad. It's a multi quad sanitizer. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think that, the, and it's an Ecolab sanitizer. I think uh, maybe they should check with the with the Ecolab folks on something that's good for uh, yeah. Nora. Yeah, it's uh, huh, and it's, it might uh, be. So, you know, no, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> we edit this out. Um, yeah, it's effective against E. coli. Staff can't be E. coli, Klebsiella, Listeria, Salmonella, Shigella, Yersinia, Enterobacter. So, yeah. I don't know if they can make a norovirus claim. The, uh, yeah, I don't know. But they, the, the problem is that there's not a um, – th th this gets down to this issue, which we've talked about before, um, of what you can claim on the label because there is there is no protocol for t norovirus, right? You can't yep. – you, you, right. you, right. yep. you can't make a norovirus claim. That's right. So – Yeah, well – and – so this is this is a not not to call out let's not call it Ecolab but let's call out all the all the folks on this, um, mm. and I'll and I'll point to Gojo as as a as a group that I think did a good job with their hand sanitizer work where although they can't make a norovirus claim they sure can point to a paper in the peer reviewed literature that shows that it's effective against human norovirus, right. and, and right. if I'm running a a company and I'm going to buy a lot of sanitizer I'm I, I'm probably more interested in that paper than I am the claim.
right? Like if I'm right, if I'm doing if I'm doing my job right as a buyer of that of that product. So, so right. maybe maybe there's something. Anyway, that that that's a larger issue, um, but I think that's it's it's pertinent here. It's like. Um, Let's redouble our efforts, but let's make sure we use something that uh, that's most you know that's effective against what we're trying to attack right now. Yeah, and I'm just, I was just looking to see if you'd published anything on this, and uh, the the top hit uh, when I Google Chapman norovirus sanitation is an article entitled uh, Chapman attacks norovirus uh, with multifaceted approach, but apparently <laughs> it's, uh, Cha- it's Chapman University. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, and it's in, if you Google barf blog, Chapman norovirus sanitation, I think I've got a few things on that. All right. And, and actually, you know what I would, I, I'd point them to as well, Don, is the, um, I'll see if I can get the link to this. It might be in something that I've published recently. Um, but uh, there's a, we had a CFP issue that went through on yes, vomit cleanup that's got remember, some really yeah. good stuff yeah. um, in there. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Anyway, it's in the, uh, it's in the CFP, um, documents. But that's the only place it is? I think so. You should publish that, Ben. You should put, put it out there. Oh, I should. Ah, someone's yelling at me and, oh my, (laughs) someone's yelling at me through the earphones, through the headphones. Nice. There's some autoplay, um, video (laughs) from Chipotle (laughs) that. Uh yeah, that is on Barf Blog. That anytime I go to like Barf Blog, it, oh. it just auto plays, mm-hmm. and I don't auto know how plays, to disable yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, speaking of uh, of Chipotle, Don. Yes. We didn't talk about them last time, did we? I don't think so. So there, there, two things on them. They're guys. A uh, couple of couple of dudes at the top. One of them's out. No, really? Um, yeah, yeah. So we've got Steve Ells, who's um, uh, so, uh, self-described as a perfectionist. And then there's uh, Monty Moran, Montgomery Moran. And, and he, uh, Montgomery Moran's no longer uh, co-CEO. Co, uh, it's just Steve Ells now at the top. Um, and uh, according to, uh, uh, this is last, I guess a week ago in um, uh, New York Times talked about this. They uh, New York Times uh, says that it's food safety driven. So um, they the whole board of directors uh, decided that uh, uh, one CEO and uh, to recover from this uh, this outbreak and these multiple outbreaks were needed. So they didn't have sort of co visions. Um, but kind of interesting stuff. And it, like I don't think we talked about this, but after the outbreaks probably about a year ago i received a few different phone calls from investment firms who had either Mm -hmm. invested in chipotle or represented people that had invested in chipotle and then in other companies who wanted to know like how risky are these investments for food safety reasons and so in in this article um from the new york times uh they note that chipotle is dealing with an activist investor in william a ackman who's uh, Pershing Square Capital Management disclosed in September that it owned a 9.9 stake in Chipotle. And uh, so there's thoughts that maybe uh, this uh, investor is part of the reason why um, Mr. Moran is out, which is kind of interesting, right? Like as soon as investors get involved in this food safety world, um, stuff might – might change right like it's it's one thing to make people sick but it's another thing to for your investors to tell you about not you know how to respond to that 
Yeah, that's uh, that's very interesting. So so this uh, now just just to make this perfectly clear, this William A. Ackman, uh, that is not the same as Admiral Akbar, right? That's a different guy. That's a different Admiral Akbar. Yeah. Okay. It's got a it. trap. It's, yeah. That's very good. Well done. <laughs> that's the, that's the different. Ah. One. Um, yeah. uh, so any, anyway, Chipotle news number two is, uh, they, uh, last week were on the today show to talk about all of their problems uh, in recovering from the uh, outbreak. And, and Steve, uh, Steve Ells talked about their slow recoveries because all of these changes that they're throwing at their associates, which used to be like eight or so a, a year or 15 a year, are now like 80 because of all the food safety changes. And that their, their workforce is, is not up to, up to par. And so people are having a bad time because they're, you know, things are more complicated. Um, and so I, you know, I see this and, you know, anything that's Chipotle related is like, gets my attention. So I'm, I'm sitting, you know, at home like, Hey, I'm going to watch a little video about what's going on in, um, in Chipotle and the today show. And as I'm watching the, the video, I notice, and I have a screenshot on barf blog, um, of this, I noticed that, uh, Steve Ells is like looking at a whole bunch of what looks like steak, uh, on a grill and um, starts to touch it uh, with with no no gloves on, and I my guess is to check for doneness. Sure. And so I write, that's how you do it. Yeah, it's how you, how you do it. Um, so I say, you know, uh, um, at ten seconds, the guy who wrote in a letter last year, we deployed robust industry leading new food safety procedures in our restaurants, including new handling procedures for produce, citrus, and meats, as well as uh, comprehensive sanitizing protocols. Uh, pokes at a piece of meat on the grill. I'm guessing to check for doneness with his bare hands. And so I write, Steve, a good food safety culture starts at the top. Model safe practices for your staff. Mix in a thermometer and some gloves. Um, and uh, anyway, someone pointed out, so the food safety news group, uh, Marler's uh, publication, uh, took that and said, hey, can we reprint it? And I was like, sure, go ahead. And then in the comment fields there, someone points out that um, – that my criticism of this individual of of Els uh, touching something on a grill is not him touching a ready to eat food, and this is it, it, like just to circle back to our conversation before. That's right. Um, my assumption is that he's checking that for doneness, and if it feels right, then he's going to pull it off the grill, right? Like so. While it's not right. currently a ready to eat food, my um, full of uh, filter of guessing assumption is he it might become a ready food immediately after he touches it. <laughs> right. And why why are all the employees wearing gloves and he didn't wear gloves to do that? Right. Again, right. It's, it's all about whether the issue of whether it's a ready to eat food or not is irrelevant. The issue is, are you modeling good behavior? And the answer is no. No, it's foolish. And this is the this is the same jackass who was complaining that the CDC um, was prolonging the outbreak because they kept announcing more cases, right? I mean, right, right. And I, I think they fired the wrong guy. I think so too. I this this anyway. This is just this guy's just a just a doofus. Well, they got. I mean, he got a nice big bonus last year. So, yeah, my God. So that was good. I don't know. I don't know about this company. I mean, we know people who work there. Um, and uh, who have come on since the uh, you know since this change, and I just hope that they have um, enough power within the comp the corporate structure to to really address change and to um, to help Mr. Ells figure out how to model good food safety behavior and create a good food safety culture. I mean that's the 
that's the missing part here is there's a lot of talk and everyone everyone can see the talk um i don't know if that talk is is actually means anything and and we've we've talked extensively about them on this podcast about not being able like coming up with ideas but then not showing validation data and it's still it's still not there so um i don't know they i treat them differently because they because they had six outbreaks and i think that that deserves us to treat them differently (laughs) well these six outbreaks on top of incredible hubris about how their food is so like pristine. Right. I mean, that's, that, that's a big part of the problem is that they told people how they were doing all this wonderful stuff about like no GMOs and no hormones and pesticides, organic, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they dropped the ball on food safety one oh one. So I, you know, and, and on top of that, uh, just like not understanding how the CDC works to me, that's inexcusable, right? If you're, if you're, if you're a CEO, and you don't understand that you need to get somebody on your staff who does and get them to coach you so you don't say stupid stuff yeah absolutely all of this uh, all, all of this stuff um it's it, it you can't excise those things right like you, you you're under um a different type of microscope when you tell people how great you are um and and so you should be and i mean if uh and and yeah, I don't know. I right. Don't know. I mean, the, you know, we, we slammed the, the mighty, mighty tacos, um, but they didn't they weren't like telling everybody how like safe they were. They just got caught up in making a mistake. Right. So and, uh, you know, so yeah. and it's done and gone. So and and yeah, and here's this guy again. This is, uh, you know, the reason why we're talking about him, Ben, uh, on December uh, 7th, uh, 2016, is because the bonehead was touching meat with his bare hands. That's uh it- you know, yeah. I mean, that's why we're talking about them. If they if they would just like not be in the news and not be doing stupid stuff, we would stop talking about them. Right, right. And t- yeah, touching me with his bare hands and then trying to figure out if it's done without using a thermometer. Like, why right. would you touch the meat on a grill without with your bare hands unless you're trying to figure out if uh, it's done? The, yes, that's a that's an excellent point. <laughs> Fool, foolish, foolish. Uh, yep. I think that's I think that's a show, Don. Was there? Uh... I, think, I think so. I was, it's, it's, uh, it's good. This is a super, super happy, uh, uh, holiday version, uh, of, <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying that, uh, <laughs> of, uh, food safety talk. And, um, it's, uh, this is the last show of 2016. It is. Um, because, uh, cause we're not probably going to talk, uh, before, uh, the start of 2017. So, uh, that uh, 2016, I think marks a nice year for us because we, um, collectively decided that we would catch up on all of our past stuff and we and we've done it like we we had if we look back i think this is our like 19th show of the year something like that Mm -hmm. i'm gonna look i'm gonna look right now but we but we after not having too many shows in 2015 because we were so well recorded 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 lots of shows yeah (laughs) right 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 um so anyway which as we discussed before is the fun part yeah as as much as people are um, saying that uh, 2016 has not been a great year, I think for food safety talk, it's been a fantastic year. It's, it's been it's been a very good year, but I do want people to know um, that things that we will not be talking about because we just ran out of time is um, is it safe to eat fruitcake while you're breastfeeding, the natural history of cheese mites, and how to start listening to the musical Hamilton. Th- those are topics that will have to wait for another day or perhaps not at all. Absolutely, and, and let me yes. 
And let me update my poor accounting. This is actually our 30th episode of 2013. Oh, my God. 2016. Do you know? <laughs> do you know what that means? Uh, that means we're more than more than uh, every two weeks. We are. We because, are more because than every two if, weeks. because because if if we did it every two weeks, that would be uh, twenty six episodes. Right, right. We did. Yeah, we we uh, we increased. Uh, looking back, this is in the um, yeah the first one we posted was January nineteenth, two thousand and sixteen. But then we did February fifteenth, February eighteenth, February twenty fourth, February twenty fifth. All recorded probably in two thousand and fifteen. <laughs> March third, March fourth, March seventh, March thirteenth, March sixteenth. Oh my god! We've been a little more regular since then. Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, that sounds that sounds not too regular. <laughs> no, no, but uh, but anyway, kudos to us for uh, um, uh, to for committing back to food safety talk and to the listeners, um, and uh, and and doing uh, a good job at cranking out content. Uh, yeah, and, and, and thank and thanks to the listeners for for rating us on iTunes. Thanks to the listeners for emailing us, for tweeting at us, uh, for engaging with us. Um, we could do it. We could do the show without you, but it's so much more fun to do it with you and and to be able to to interact and 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 to have that feedback. So thanks, thanks to you guys. Happy holidays to all of you, um, and uh, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening for sure. Uh, Don, I look forward to seeing you in uh, 2017, uh, both in person and virtually uh, on the podcast. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sweet. I think my kids only tried to get into the office like once. And then I'm not, who knows what's gone on out there. It could be a bloodbath. Um, it could be that they've decided to make uh, lunch themselves. It could be that, that something's on fire, although the fire alarm didn't go off. So everything seems to be fine. Well, all, all, all that happened uh, while I was gone. So Kristen went out to run an errand, leaving me in charge of the dogs, and they did start barking at one point, and they came in to say hello to me at another point. Um, but other than that, they were quiet. Um, they were. They, can, they cannot make their own lunch. They cannot start fires. Um, they could they could um, run through the house like uh, crazy animals, but uh, but they didn't do that too much. Well, that's good. That's good. Hey, so so not to completely sign off. So have you speak? I just I, this Hamilton. Um, yeah, yeah. So have have you listened to it? No. No. Okay, but I saw the, I, the link that you put yeah. from yeah. 
so I, I have been avoiding it because my God, everybody wouldn't stop talking about it. Um, including, including a friend and guest of the show, uh, Merlin Mann. Um, but he had a really nice post on, on Kung Fu grip, which we will, um, or I think Kung Fu gripe as, as Dan pronounces it, um, uh, which we will listen to, um, uh, which we will listen to, which, which I will, which I will post into the into the uh, show notes um, uh, on how to start listening to Hamilton, and it's really, um, it's really pretty good. And I've started it. Um, I'm still on step one, uh, which is listening to uh, the first three songs uh, uh, over a couple of days. And you know, I, as we've discussed, I am not a fan of the rap music uh, or of the hip hop, as the kids call it. But uh, I, uh, I like this. I I like this. Cool. Well. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. So, I am um, I'm not a fan of listening to musical theater. <laughs> so um, okay, yeah, yeah but I, I am actually I do like musicals. And actually, my my favorite uh, before before everybody started talking about Hamilton, my favorite uh, musical about the American uh, Revolutionary War period is 1776. Which is if you have ever seen that, we talked no, about this before. No, no. I don't know. Yeah. So you, well, as a Canadian, you might not like it, but, um, yeah, well, don't worry. We beat you in the <laughs> war of 1812. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that was not a real war. I'm pretty sure you just made that no, up. I, um, see, this is the one, but, uh, uh, you're not getting, you're not getting <laughs> your fake news from the right spot. This is a, we, we will link to the war of 1812 that Canada won when we burned down your white house. You tried to attack the Canadians. I think, I think you're thinking of the French and Indian War, which, as near as I can tell, didn't didn't involve us. But anyway, um, 1776, a musical retelling of the American Revolution's political struggle. Um, a lovely, fantastic musical. I it's not uh, it's not the season. It should we should listen to it around uh, American Independence Day. But anyway, it's a it's 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 a delightful musical. Well worth uh, well worth watching. Uh, as apparently, uh, so will Hamilton be when the movie about that comes out. But in the meantime, um, yeah. I, I would be very curious as to your thoughts on this. I'm so wrapped up in the War of 1812 that I don't know if I can do it. I, but I will. Okay. I, I will well, spend time. Tell me, Ben, yeah. when, when, musical, when the Canadian Broadway musical about the War of 1812 comes out, I will listen to everything about that. It'll be the... It, the oppression will uh, is strong. Um, the war, it, it's known. I'm going to even maybe get a T-shirt. The War of 1812, the one the the U.S. lost, the only one, according to uh, uh, historians. But I will. I'm not going to get too sidetracked here. Um, I will. I will uh, do this homework. I will listen to, to Hamilton. Um, one of the uh, you know uh, very uh, um, uh, two friends of the show, uh, both. Um, uh, Mary Did You Know, Mary Yavlek, and uh, Nora Nerd, Ver Veronica Bryan are both huge um, Hamilton fans. So okay, and and uh, and and they are um, also sisters. But uh, huh. but uh, um, Veronica has kids the same age as my kids, and she said that her kids are very much into it. Um, oh, so I'm, I'm gonna check cool. it out. Kids, kids like well, the like the Hamilton. All, all I have to say is that uh, reading from Wikipedia, uh, the War of 1812 in the, in the United States, uh, late victories over invading British armies at the battles of Plattsburgh and Baltimore. Uh, oh, wait, Plattsburgh, Baltimore. Oh, Bla Plattsburgh, Baltimore, and New Orleans. All I have to say is that uh, I don't know if she listens to the to the show, but uh, but Jess Chen uh, is from Plattsburgh, She's New York. Plattsburgh. So, yes. so shout out to uh, to Jess Chen, uh, who I'm sure was uh, helpful in that, uh, <laughs> in that war. <laughs> well, her years before she was born exactly exactly 
Well, um, and, you know, she should, if she listens, she should write in and tell us um, if there's any uh, historical markers in Plattsburgh uh, about the War of 1812 and what's her take on this important war that uh, we won. I just want to, before I get all worked up on this, let me quote from Wikipedia. As we know, it's never wrong. Never wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, except, except when it, oh, which we didn't talk about. Oh, we didn't talk yeah. about, yeah. The conflict has not been commemorated on nearly the same level in the modern day United States, though it is still you taught think? as an important part of early American history. Okay. Um, where in Canada, it is definitely commemorated as the one where you tried to invade us and we kept you at bay by burning down your White House. And then you apologize after that. Yeah, well, now. I mean, we do feel okay. bad about it. I'm, in fact, I'm going to go see the White House again next week. But I just do want to mess um, – like, like the great line in The Breakfast Club, um, mess with the with Canada and we burn down your White House. Paying homage to – So seriously you're, you're, seriously, you're going to Washington next week? Yeah, I'm going to be in Washington next week for a, a hockey tournament. Oh, say say hi to Barack. Tell him tell him uh, I'm I'm sorry he can't be our president for a third term. Did you see the I know you're not into the the rap music, but did you see the SNL uh Barack's leaving uh uh rap that uh, uh was was on uh, Saturday night? No. I I did not. I will I will look that up. Yeah, it's good. Um <laughs> this is the most unstructured uh after dark ever. That's no, fine. That's good. It's good. Uh um so yeah, um, the War of eighteen twelve. I can't believe I, like this is just a, a great example of uh, the uh, American mainstream media squashing a real story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. The next thing you know, um, you, you know, know what you should do, Ben. You should make Canada great again. We need to make Canada great again. Trick question. It was already great. It was great. It's still great. Still is. Still, still, is. still is. We may still have to move there, Ben. We should move to the America, the great part of America. Um, Indeed. I bet you there is a, uh, a commemorative uh, Plattsburgh uh, something because um, the British lost the Battle of Plattsburgh. So that's, I think, the only one part of that whole oh, war that. You there guys... we go. We could, uh, yeah, yeah, we could commemorate that. Yeah, exactly. Commemorate that, and then. Uh, Yep. Uh, the burning of Washington, August, uh, 1814. That's it's even the star spangled banner. like this whole thing. Oh yeah, I know. I know oh, gosh. the rockets, red Blair. You know what that was? Canadians burning things. Goddamn Canadians. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can tell that this is a sore part of my Canadian pride. Uh, apparently it's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Um, so hey, uh, what's uh, what's your what's your schedule look like in that? Uh, My twenty in the in the twenty in the in two thousand and twenty seventeen. Are you open? How's the year look? Uh well, I've I've cleared a good part of it because uh, I'm gonna have rotator cuff surgery. Oh, but you can still talk when we have rotator cuff surgery. When you, do, I right? think so. It depends on how high I am on the drugs. That makes for a very fun, a very special food safety talk. <sighs> So uh, two weeks from today is the second, and I will uh, be available. But the that second, is also a holiday. Yeah, second's trouble because I think trouble. We're playing, I, I believe we're playing hockey. Okay, the third. The third is good. I have something. So the third after two o'clock in the afternoon would be great. Perfect. Or at two o'clock, like maybe like two ten. I have a CFP meeting. No, oh, I have a C I have a CFP committee noon to one. So. Okay, and I go one till two. Okay. 
Um, so we could we could do two thirties. Yeah, let's do two thirty. FST one one fifteen, I think it is, right? Damn. Is that true? Or is this one fifteen? I don't know. I have to look on the website. This is one. This is one fifteen. We're doing it. <coughs> All right. Sixteen. Okay. Two thirty till four thirty. Done. And I'm gonna probably do that in my office. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. Good. Okay. That's perfect. So, and I have this one, and I'm yep. um, because there's nothing else going on. I am going to edit this audio right now. Oh, so if awesome. you can shoot me the um the links when you get I will definitely shoot you the links and let me know if you need my audio. Uh you sounded a little uh choppy on on my end but uh, but I but anyway, I can send you the audio if you okay. need it. So. Yeah, no, you were good. You you sounded great. So I think we're going to be fine. Cool. Cool. Okay. Uh thanks Don. I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk okay. to you in the new year. Have a good uh holiday. Yeah, and, you too. And uh yeah, hopefully I can uh um teach my children how to gamble and maybe take them to a horse <laughs> horse race. Sure. It's good. Okay. We'll, cut, we'll cut all this out. Yeah, whatever. They, they can chase me down. <laughs> Talk the, to you later. The, the, bye. <laughs> bye.